This podcast is supported by Faculty of Medical Leadership and Management. Hello everyone and welcome to our first episode of Emotional Intelligence Get Acquainted. So this podcast series will be covering what emotional intelligence actually is and how to develop it and how it's applicable to day-to-day life as a medical student and other healthcare professions. And today we have two amazing guests with us. Um, so we have Deborah and we have Sahini. So Deborah, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? So basically I discovered emotional intelligence in 2003. I also had no idea what it was, didn't have a clue. Um, I remember working for a science incubator and um, my boss had just come back from America and he told me about emotional intelligence and he said to me, please find a trainer who trains the subject of emotional intelligence. I was like, what on earth is that? I've never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. And um, he handed me Daniel Goleman's book. Yes. And honestly, you needed a degree to read that book. It really wasn't, it wasn't easy at all. Mm -hmm. And um, I really struggled to understand it, but I got the basic concept of it. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought, why does nobody know this stuff? Why why are they not talking about it? No one knows what emotional intelligence is. But in my personal life at the time, my relationships were just always a mess. My life was a mess. Everything was a mess. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I started reading Daniel Goldman's book, I thought, well, this is the answer to what I've been looking for. What was so interesting about emotional intelligence is that not only did I realize it was the solution to my life, you know, what was missing in my life and my relationships, but I'd, I'd had quite a lot of health issues. Mm. Um, and I discovered that emotional intelligence was the key to that as well. Because wow. I then realized that a lot of illnesses and sicknesses that actually go on are due to emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not an actual sickness or an illness that your emotions and the chemical reaction of your emotions in your body can cause you to be ill. So that's kind of how I started. And yeah, 16 years later, I'm still doing it because I love it. I'm passionate about it. Mm. And Sahini, what's your journey with emotional intelligence? So I'm a medical student, I'm in my fourth year, I'm studying at Imperial College London. So I first became acquainted, I guess you could say, with EQ, or emotional intelligence, because I was struggling with the academic life of my university. It was very competitive, I wasn't in the top 10%, I I just felt inadequate, I wasn't doing as good as everyone else, my peers, and I was comparing myself, and I thought, well, if I'm not getting the best grades, I'm going to be a really bad doctor. Um, and then on top of that, like, it was making me feel really down, so like, my relationships weren't fantastic. Um, I guess I lacked a lot of confidence. And then when I learned about emotional intelligence, I felt like this was like my epiphany moment. Like, this is where I can actually shine. So I learned that it was about reflecting on yourself and being empathetic and honest. And it's essentially a social skill, it's a soft skill, but it's actually very useful for developing all relationships within like your career and your family. And like on a side note, I remember it was either in a book or a lecture, someone told me that you need IQ to like enter your profession. So you need to be of like a decent level of like intelligence to find, for example, be a doctor, but then your emotional intelligence would actually get you to like developing your career and prospers and your IQ doesn't really affect you once you entered the field. So I thought that it was like quite motivating for me because I felt like I could still be a really good doctor, have really good relationships, make myself much happier with emotional intelligence and it's about appreciating EQ as well as also trying to be as good as I can with my academic career. Yeah, I, yeah that's, I, I completely relate to that because you know medicine is actually so intense in terms of the course um, and 
it's really interesting to see how emotional intelligence not only makes you a better doctor in that sense, but also it helps with your personal life and that's what drives you to become a better doctor. So I think emotional intelligence is, in my opinion, is something that everybody could do with, everybody needs, mm. every parent. A parent should have training in emotional intelligence before they are able to conceive yeah. or before they have a baby because it's that important. Mm. I completely agree because with the research we've been doing, it, it has to it has to start at an early age yeah. so we've been speaking about the concept emotional intelligence but for our like listeners and our viewers out there what actually is emotional intelligence so emotional intelligence is in a nutshell is really understanding yourself and why you have emotions so if you, if you think about it, in, intelligence itself so iq mm-hmm. is all about your intellectual capability of um, how you understand information how you learn how you you take that all on But with your emotions, emotional intelligence is understanding human behavior. Mm -hmm. It's understanding yourself. I mean, the first fundamental of emotional intelligence is about self-awareness. Because if you don't understand yourself and how you operate and have your own operating manual as such, Mm -hmm. how do you understand other people? So it's all about communication, um, self-awareness, how to motivate yourself, so intrinsic motivation, um, you know, because a lot of people try and motivate themselves with external goals. But if you know who you are and what your purpose is and what you want to achieve in life, mm-hmm. then that's naturally going to motivate you. Mm-hmm. Um, it also comes down to empathy. So empathy is the second most important aspect of emotional intelligence. And it's specifically with doctors. Yes. Yeah. You know, empathy, how do you, how can you help your patients or how can you have a good relationship with anyone if you can't put yourselves in their shoes. That, in a nutshell, is what emotional intelligence is. And obviously, managing your behavior, because everything is about behavior. And people who are emotionally intelligent know why they behave a certain way Mm -hmm. and why other people behave a certain way, because it's based on your emotions. It's not somebody else's fault. No one else contributes to the way you behave mm-hmm. it's all about you can control your feelings yeah you it's all intrinsic yeah that's it so it's actually a lot simpler than yeah. what people think and i completely agree with that we be like as doctors you have to work in teams and it's so important to understand how you're reacting to other people yeah. and how you're managing that because that can not only have an impact on the team as a whole but it can also have an impact on the patient yeah. and that can be detrimental if your team isn't working to the best of best ability that it can then the impact on the patient can actually be incredible yeah and like an additional point is in the healthcare world they really champion this idea of patient-centered care which essentially is putting yourself in the patient's shoes and considering them as a holistic approach so what is their lifestyle their family their friends their hobbies as well as their healthcare. Mm. so then if you're empathetic you honestly can see like oh this patient isn't just a disease or an illness it's a big disease or an illness that's affecting a person which is affecting their yeah. ability to spend time with their friends or continue with their job and also listening sorry the listening skills mm-hmm. so if you think about in terms of doctors or anyone there was a lot of research that they did and they discovered the biggest reason for suicide in teenagers is that they don't feel listened to so if you look at the medical industry now and how fast it moves and how you've got like five minutes or four minutes yeah. with a person it's ridiculous how do you how do you have enough time to listen to that person 
you know, if you just listen to somebody and give them the opportunity to talk about their problems, mm-hmm. I know it's not always possible because, you know, in, in the environment that doctors have to work in, but listening is crucial. And currently in the NHS, there's this focus on, you know, meeting targets yeah. and um, fulfilling like a certain criteria. But, you know, we forget that behind all these targets are the patients that we serve, right? And it's about having that um, awareness of listening to them and yeah. like uh, listening to their feelings. And in medical school, we get taught this thing called ICE, which is ideas, concerns, and yeah. expectations. And it becomes like a checklist, like yeah. a tick box it thing. It literally is a checklist. It's like in your exams, you have to ICE your patient. It's, it's a verb now, it's a doing word. So then essentially you just like, if you like get all these marks, it's like, okay, I've got three marks in my exam, but then you don't put it into practice. And I think it's because we just see it as like, a way to like go on to the next stage of your career so I've done this I've got like my exam now let's keep going you're not it's not basically it's not embedded or integrated into the the medical student from a young, yeah. early age that it's actually important for the patient it's more so as you said it's a checklist which then casts a shadow on your patient who is the main stakeholder in this entire interaction yeah exactly. when I've been on placements um, with um, doctors I don't see them icing the patient they don't, they don't. because it's something that you know because you don't have time that's the first thing you drop yeah. That's the first thing that you're like, okay, I don't have time for this. I have 10 minutes to see a patient. There's no point in doing that. Mm. But in medical school, it's a checklist, checkbox thing, but it's something that's dropped when you actually go into practice. And it's about changing that. As yeah. you said, the patient is the most important yeah. part. Of but I think what's interesting and what, what is lost in this whole thing is that if you go back to the medical industry or the medical field, um, if you take into consideration that you actually take those few minutes longer or take more time than you need and you ask those questions down the road you're actually going to save time and Mm -hmm. you're going to save money because if you give a patient 10 minutes or 15 minutes at that first consultation you're going to find out a heck of a lot more and you're going to prevent that person coming back over and over and over and over again because if you don't get to the root problem right in the beginning Mm -hmm. They're just going to keep wasting more and more time, more and more money. Benefit both plays because the patient will feel that they've, list, they've been listened to, they're satisfied, they're, they're fulfilled with the service that they're being given, and then the NHS will save time and money, which is really scarce. Like, yeah. like time is a luxury in the NHS. Definitely. So if both people will benefit, but I think it is just, number one, getting people aware of emotional intelligence and then also proving its usefulness. It's not necessarily ignoring your clinical skills, but it's appreciating that they can go hand in hand with your non-clinical skills and seeing them as equivalent, not one's better than the other. Exactly that. In medical school or um, when we're training as doctors, it's branded as the um, softer skills and the, you know, the skills that, you know, you don't really need to pay that much attention to, but it's actually really hard to develop emotional intelligence. When I talk to people and they go, what is emotional intelligence? And if you get too intellectual about it, they zone out and they go, you know what, I don't know what this is, so I'm not actually going to burn calories listening to you about this because at the end of the day it's got to be simple you can include it in your training for instance for a doctor or anyone you can learn about it in three days Mm -hmm. three days is all it takes emotions it's actually simple can't believe that people have never actually sat down and taken the time to go you know what i'm going to find out more about me Mm -hmm. what's really interesting though is that they can tell you all the things they don't like (laughs) all the negative stuff yeah. If I say to you, there's 10 things about yourself now that you don't like, you would be able to ramble them off yeah. like that. All emotional intelligence is, is first of all, getting to know yourself.
and really getting to tune in and to feel because a lot of us know fear and anger and love frustration but there's there's like nearly 200 different emotions so when you actually just go through the process of identifying how you're feeling what that feeling is labeling them but people still haven't given themselves permission to feel so that's why the world is in so much crisis at the moment. There's never been as much anxiety as there is. There's never been as much bullying. There's never been so many mental health issues as there are because people are now starting to feel, but they feel like they're not allowed to. Yeah. And we've been taught historically that you've got to suppress it. Keep calm and carry on. Honestly, I no. can't tell you how much I hate that tagline. Keep calm and care. No. If you're going to change the way people deal with each other, if you're going to change anything in this world, mm-hmm. you need to feel. Yeah. How else are you going to change it? Yeah. If you don't feel empathy, you cannot change a problem. Yeah. So I think the first step is for people just to say, you know what? Emotions are part of who I am as a human being. We wouldn't have been given emotions if we weren't meant to have them. And if you didn't have emotions, then you might as well be a fish. Because that's what makes us different to the rest of the species. So it's about accepting and embracing and saying, it's okay to feel that. And then to say to yourself, okay, what is that? So you start labeling it. I mean, I give people feeling lists and I say to them, stick it up in your fridge. Every day, just look at the words. And those are just, I mean, those are simple little things that you can just integrate with your life. So it's labeling, recognizing the emotions. What are the symptoms? Okay, where does it come from? And then knowing what action to take. Because we haven't given ourselves permission to feel, we become overwhelmed and we go, well, I don't know what this feeling is. I don't know what to do about it. Oh my gosh, I feel ill. I've got a headache. I'm going to go to the doctor. I've got a headache. could be tension. It could be fear. Now, if you're able to recognize that, you don't have to go to the doctor to tell you why you have a headache. That's really interesting. I think that's the aim of our podcast here as well. It's to kind of talk people through about how they can actually develop their emotional intelligence. Because for me personally, and I don't know if you agree as well, Sahini, that at medical school, it's not that well integrated into our curriculum. And we need to change that. And this is sort of like an initial platform to kind of, you know, bring that change about. Um, to really help people understand what emotional intelligence is, which was the aim of this episode here, and also go on to talking about how we can develop it. And that's what the rest of the series is going to be about. So, yeah, thank you so much for um, coming today. Um, And we really, really appreciated your insight. Please tune in for the next episode. Thank you so much.